the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Merry Christmas, San Antonio. Feliz Navidad. No, I am not Soapy Dollar. Once again, Soapy is away from the studio. As is his daughter Stacy, they're taking the night off. Uh, Stacy was uh, away from the house and didn't want to have to really rush the family and everything. So tonight we're going to be uh, we're in the book of Leviticus and we're going to be uh, listening to some of Soapy's readings, which is always a pleasant joy to get to do that and really, really, you know, sometimes just listening to it as opposed to actually just reading it, you know, sometimes that gives you a, a little bit of insight into it. You can really, you know, I know for me, I'm, I'm much better with uh, listening than, 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 than uh, reading, but uh, welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us this evening. Hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. Can you believe that next Sunday is going to be Christmas Eve. It just feels like each year the, the the holiday just the holidays go by like that, you know. Well, as I said, we're in the book of Leviticus, and uh, I'm going to remind you, uh, in case you want to read, uh, uh, listen to some of these readings from tonight, or you want to listen to other readings, all you have to do is go to BibleLive.com. It's that simple. BibleLive.com. That's it. That's it. And we're going to get right into the readings right now. This is Soapy Dollar. He's in Leviticus. So uh, here we go. Good evening, everyone. We come back now to the book of Leviticus. That's where we have been these particular days. We'll finish up Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus in just a few more days. And then we will return to the New Testament. And pick up there with the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And just in time for Christmas, we'll be reading about the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Well, if we've been making our way through the book of Leviticus, I've been trying to emphasize the general overall theme of this book. It can be forgotten when we get into all these details about the construction of the tabernacle or all of the different laws and commands. The theme of the book of Leviticus is holiness and worship. God is set apart, unique, one of a kind, no other God beside him. The people of Israel are learning this 
They've come out of Egypt where there was polytheism, many different gods that they imagined and worshipped. And yet they are being told there is only one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. Worship me alone. Holiness, in our popular meaning, we have the idea of moral perfection, purity, moral, ethical purity. And that is a part of it. But he is set apart in every way. And, of course, one of the great verses of the book of Leviticus is that because I am holy, you will be holy. God is making us to be a holy people set apart as well for his purposes and for their relationship with him. There are moral laws, the Ten Commandments, and in other of these laws that expand on the Ten Commandments. You have the ritualistic or worship laws about clean and unclean for worship. You have the dietary laws and the health and safety rules and regulations. All of these are part of God's plan to set the people of God apart. We'll talk a little bit more about it before we get into our reading tonight from Leviticus. Right now, though, we go to one of the most recognized psalms in all of the Bible, the famous and beautiful Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm that comes to us out of David's experience because he had spent his early years caring for sheep, if you remember his early stories. So tonight, let's enjoy together this beautiful Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. End of reading, Psalm 23. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. And that is our prayer each and every evening as we come to you here on this great station, asking the Lord to speak to our hearts through His Word. Praying and trusting that you, as well as I, as we listen to the Scriptures together, that the Holy Spirit will spark ideas and thoughts in our minds, maybe even questions, that we will go to the Lord with those and that He will bring us answers. I don't know how each passage will touch your life. Sometimes there's a clear teaching that we need to be reminded of, but you also come with your own life, your own challenges, and maybe there's something that you read that just brings that word of encouragement, that word of clarity that you need for a particular decision in your life, for a particular relationship. One thing I wanted to mention about Psalm 23, the whole psalm is so beautiful, but I like the way it deals with the ultimate enemy. Death casts a frightening shadow over us uh, because we are entirely hapless and helpless in its presence. I have good friends who have lost a mate. Others are suffering loss and loneliness that this season of the year, this will be the first Christmas of our dear friend Shirley without her husband. I pray for them, and I've written a card with a prayer for them 
giving strength over the great enemy of death. Pain, suffering, disease, injury, we can have courage and we can have strength and we can battle against these, but we cannot overcome death. Only one person can walk with us through death's dark valley, and that is Jesus, who will bring us safely to the other side. He is indeed the Good Shepherd. Well, let's go now to the book of Leviticus. We're going to learn a lesson tonight about the relationship between faith and obedience. Our obedience to God is not the answer. Aaron and his children did everything that God had told them to do, so they were obedient. But it may have been obedience without the attitude of faith and trust. Obedience within itself is not the solution. That can lead to legalism. But we are to trust God and obey Him. Obedience motivated by faith. And we're going to see them tonight the consequences of not doing that. Leviticus 10, 1 through 13, 39. Leviticus 10. Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over it. In this way they disobeyed the Lord by burning before Him a different kind of fire than He had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up. And they died there before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will show myself holy among those who are near me. I will be glorified before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Then Moses called for Mishael and Elsaphan, Aaron's cousins, the sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel. He said to them, Come and carry the bodies of your relatives away from the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and carried them out of the camp by their tunics, as Moses had commanded. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not mourn by letting your hair hang loose or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community of Israel. However, the rest of the Israelites, your relatives, may mourn for Nadab and Abihu, whom the Lord has destroyed by fire. But you are not to leave the entrance of the tabernacle under penalty of death, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. So they did as Moses commanded. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. If you do, you will die. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be kept by all future generations. You are to distinguish between what is holy and what is ordinary, what is ceremonially unclean and what is clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the laws that the Lord has given through Moses. Then Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, Take what is left of the grain offering after the handful has been presented to the Lord by fire. Make sure there is no yeast in it, and eat it beside the altar, for it is most holy. It must be eaten in a sacred place, for it has been given to you and your descendants as your regular share of the offerings given to the Lord by fire. These are the commands I have been given. But the breast and thigh that were lifted up may be eaten in any place that is ceremonially clean. These parts have been given to you and to your sons and daughters as your regular share of the peace offerings presented by the people of Israel. The thigh and breast that are lifted up must be lifted up to the Lord along with the fat of the offerings given by fire. Then they will belong to you and your descendants forever, just as the Lord has commanded. When Moses demanded to know what had happened to the goat of the sin offering, he discovered that it had been burned up. As a result, he became very angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons. Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sanctuary area, he demanded. It is a holy offering. It was given to you for removing the guilt of the community and for making atonement for the people before the Lord. Since the animal's blood was not taken into the holy place, you should have eaten the meat in the sanctuary area as I ordered you. Then Aaron answered Moses on behalf of his sons. Today my sons presented both their sin offering and their burnt offering to the Lord, he said. This kind of thing has also happened to me. 
Would the Lord have approved if I had eaten the sin offering today? And when Moses heard this, he approved. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 11. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the Israelites. The animals you may use for food include those that have completely divided hooves and chew the cud. You may not, however, eat the animals named here because they either have split hooves or chew the cud, but not both. The camel may not be eaten, for though it chews the cud, it does not have split hooves. The same is true of the rock badger and the hare, so they also may never be eaten. And the pig may not be eaten, for though it has split hooves, it does not chew the cud. You may not eat the meat of these animals or touch their dead bodies. They are ceremonially unclean for you. As for marine animals, you may eat whatever has both fins and scales, whether taken from fresh water or salt water. You may not, however, eat marine animals that do not have both fins and scales. You are to detest them, and they will always be forbidden to you. You must never eat their meat or even touch their dead bodies. I repeat, any marine animal that does not have both fins and scales is strictly forbidden to you. These are the birds you must never eat, because they are detestable for you. The eagle, the vulture, the osprey, the buzzard, kites of all kinds, ravens of all kinds, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the pelican, the carrion vulture, the stork, herons of all kinds, the hoopoe, and the bat. You are to consider detestable all swarming insects that walk along the ground. However, there are some exceptions that you may eat. These include insects that jump with their hind legs, locusts of all varieties, crickets, bald locusts, and grasshoppers. All these may be eaten, but you are to consider detestable all other swarming insects that walk or crawl. The following creatures make you ceremonially unclean. If you touch any of their dead bodies, you will be defiled until evening. If you move the dead body of an unclean animal, you must immediately wash your clothes, and you will remain defiled until evening. Any animal that has divided but unsplit hooves or that does not chew the cud is unclean for you. If you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. Of the animals that walk on all fours, those that have paws are unclean for you. If you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up and move its carcass, you must immediately wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. Of the small animals that scurry or creep on the ground, these are unclean for you. The mole, the mouse, the great lizard of all varieties, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the common lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. All these small animals are unclean for you. If you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If such an animal dies and falls on something, that object, whatever its use, will be unclean. This is true whether the object is made of wood, cloth, leather, or sackcloth. It must be put into water and it will remain defiled until evening. After that, it will be ceremonially clean and may be used again. If such an animal dies and falls into a clay pot, everything in the pot will be defiled, and the pot must be smashed. If the water used to cleanse an unclean object touches any food, all of that food will be defiled, and any beverage that is in such an unclean container will be defiled. Any object on which the dead body of such an animal falls will be defiled. If it is a clay oven or cooking pot, it must be smashed to pieces. It has become defiled, and it will remain that way. However, if the dead body of such an animal falls into a spring or a cistern, the water will still be clean, but anyone who removes the dead body will be defiled. If the dead body falls on seed grain to be planted in the field, the seed will still be considered clean. But if the seed is wet when the dead body falls on it, the seed will be defiled. If an animal that is permitted for eating dies and you touch its carcass, you will be defiled until evening. 
If you eat any of its meat or carry away its carcass, you must wash your clothes. Then you will remain defiled until evening. Consider detestable any animal that scurries along the ground. Such animals may never be eaten. This includes all animals that slither along on their bellies, as well as those with four legs and those with many feet. All such animals are to be considered detestable. Never defile yourselves by touching such animals. After all, I, the Lord, am your God. You must be holy because I am holy. So do not defile yourselves by touching any of these animals that scurry along the ground. I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. You must therefore be holy because I am holy. These are the instructions regarding the land animals, the birds, and all the living things that move through the water or swarm over the earth, so you can distinguish between what is unclean and may not be eaten and what is clean and may be eaten. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 12. The Lord said to Moses, Give these instructions to the Israelites. When a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is defiled during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy must be circumcised. Then the woman must wait for 33 days until the time of her purification from the blood of childbirth is completed. During this time of purification, she must not touch anything that is holy, and she must not go to the sanctuary until her time of purification is over. If a woman gives birth to a daughter, she will be ceremonially defiled for two weeks, just as she is defiled during her menstrual period. She must then wait another 66 days to be purified from the blood of childbirth. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a year-old lamb for a whole burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. She must take her offerings to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then present them to the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she will be ceremonially clean again after her bleeding at childbirth. These are the instructions to be followed after the birth of a son or a daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a sheep, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the whole burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them, thus making atonement for her, and she will be ceremonially clean. Leviticus 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, If some of the people notice a swelling or a rash or a shiny patch on their skin that develops into a contagious skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons. The priest will then examine the affected area of a person's skin. If the hair in the affected area has turned white and appears to be more than skin deep, then it is a contagious skin disease, and the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean. But if the affected area of the skin is white, but does not appear to be more than skin deep, and if the hair in the spot has not turned white, the priest will put the infected person in quarantine for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest will make another examination. If the affected area has not changed or spread on the skin, then the priest will put the person in quarantine for seven more days. The priest will examine the skin again on the seventh day. If the affected area has faded and not spread, the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. It was only a temporary rash. So after washing the clothes, the person will be considered free of disease. But if the rash continues to spread after this examination and pronouncement by the priest, the infected person must return to be examined again. If the priest notices that the rash has spread, then he must pronounce this person ceremonially unclean, for it is a contagious skin disease. Anyone who develops a contagious skin disease must go to the priest for an examination. If the priest sees that some hair has turned white and an open sore appears in the affected area, it is clearly a contagious skin disease, and the priest must pronounce that person ceremonially unclean. 
In such cases, the person need not be quarantined for further observation because it is clear that the skin is defiled by the disease. Now suppose the priest discovers after his examination that a rash has broken out all over someone's skin, covering the body from head to foot. In such cases, the priest must examine the infected person to see if the disease covers the entire body. If it does, he will pronounce the person ceremonially clean because the skin has turned completely white. But if any open sores appear, the infected person will be pronounced ceremonially unclean. The priest must make this pronouncement as soon as he sees an open sore because open sores indicate the presence of a contagious skin disease. However, if the open sores heal and turn white like the rest of the skin, the person must return to the priest. If, after another examination, the affected areas have indeed turned completely white, then the priest will pronounce the person ceremonially clean. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. If anyone has had a boil on the skin that has started to heal, but a white swelling or a reddish-white spot remains in its place, that person must go to the priest to be examined. If the priest finds the disease to be more than skin deep, and if the hair in the affected area has turned white, then the priest must pronounce that person ceremonially unclean. It is a contagious skin disease that has broken out in the boil. But if the priest sees that there is no white hair in the affected area, and if it doesn't appear to be more than skin deep and has faded, then the priest is to put the person in quarantine for seven days. If during that time the affected area spreads on the skin, the priest must pronounce the person ceremonially unclean because it is a contagious skin disease. But if the area grows no larger and does not spread, it is merely the scar from the boil, and the priest will pronounce that person ceremonially clean. If anyone has suffered a burn on the skin and the burned area changes color, becoming either a shiny reddish-white or white, then the priest must examine it. If the hair in the affected area turns white and the problem appears to be more than skin deep, a contagious skin disease has broken out in the burn. The priest must then pronounce that person ceremonially unclean, for it is clearly a contagious skin disease. But if the priest discovers that there is no white hair in the affected area and the problem appears to be no more than skin deep and has faded, then the priest is to put the infected person in quarantine for seven days. If at the end of that time the affected area has spread on the skin, the priest must pronounce that person ceremonially unclean, for it is clearly a contagious skin disease. But if the affected area has not moved or spread on the skin and has faded, it is simply a scar from the burn. The priest must then pronounce the person ceremonially clean. If anyone, whether a man or woman, has an open sore on the head or chin, the priest must examine the infection. If it appears to be more than skin deep and fine yellow hair is found in the affected area, the priest must pronounce the infected person ceremonially unclean. The infection is a contagious skin disease of the head or chin. However, if the priest's examination reveals that the infection is only skin deep and there is no black hair in the affected area, then he must put the person in quarantine for seven days. If at the end of that time the affected area has not spread and no yellow hair has appeared, and if the infection does not appear to be more than skin deep, the infected person must shave off all hair except the hair on the affected area. Then the priest must put the person in quarantine for another seven days, and he will examine the infection again on the seventh day. If it has not spread and appears to be no more than skin deep, the priest must pronounce that person ceremonially clean. After washing clothes, that person will be clean. But if the infection begins to spread after the person is pronounced clean, the priest must do another examination. If the infection has spread, he must pronounce the infected person ceremonially unclean, even without checking for yellow hair. But if it appears that the infection has stopped spreading and black hair has grown in the affected area, then the infection has healed. The priest will then pronounce the infected person ceremonially clean. If anyone, whether a man or a woman, has shiny white patches on the skin, 
the priest must examine the affected area. If the patch is only a pale white, this is a harmless skin rash and the person is ceremonially clean. End of reading, Leviticus 10.1 through 13.39. John Harrison here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. That's the end of our first reading. When we come back, we're going to be hearing more from uh, uh, the book of Leviticus. And uh, remember, you can always listen to these and other readings at the website, BibleLive.com. Again, that's BibleLive.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more from the Bible Life Quiz Show. song I, I I almost want to stop and just let it play out Mary did you know Kenny Rogers and Winona Judd I know it's one of Sophie's favorites Welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. I am John Harrison, and if you just tuned in, no, Soapy and Stacy are not with us this evening. The dollars are away from the studio tonight, and they, uh, they want us to listen again to the great readings from Leviticus that that uh, ran on the website this past week. And so that's what we're doing tonight. We're listening to some passages from the book of Leviticus very early in the Bible. And uh, if you're new to this broadcast, you just happen to come upon us on, uh, while changing the dial on your radio, welcome. We we appreciate your time and really love having you as part of the listening audience. I am John Harrison. I am the producer of this program, very proud producer, because I'm very proud to be a part of this ministry in the small way that I am. 
And so I'm going to just uh, get us back into the show right now with Soapy and the book of Leviticus. Now, Psalm 24 on the Bible Life. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have right standing with God, their Savior. They alone may enter God's presence and worship the God of Israel. Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. End of reading, Psalm 24. Beautiful, wasn't it? It may have been written to celebrate the moving of the Ark of the Covenant from Obed-Adom's house to Jerusalem. It was used traditionally on the the first day of the week in the temple services. It tells us how to be worthy to celebrate worship of the Lord. We are in the book of Leviticus, but before I flip over there and give you a little bit of preparation for what we're going to hear tonight from the book of Leviticus, let me just reiterate a little bit about this beautiful psalm we heard tonight, Psalm 24. This psalm was often set to music. It was used in corporate worship. It may have been reenacted many times at the temple where the people outside would call out to the temple gates to open up and let the king of glory in. And of course, by the king of glory, they were talking about the Lord of heaven's armies. It is the Messiah himself, the eternal, holy and mighty, the righteous branch, this promised redeemer. All through the Old Testament, there is prefigured and prophesied this one who would come to fulfill God's righteous demands on behalf of fallen mankind and redeem us, open the way to a relationship with the true and living God. That is what this psalm is talking about. Who is the King of glory? It is the Messiah. The people outside would sing how strong and mighty the Lord, invincible in battle. And then the exchange back and forth between the people inside and outside the gates. And then the temple gates would swing open, symbolizing the people's desire to have God's presence among them. At this time of the year, we have so many Christmas pageants, plays, and so on. It's a wonderful time to reenact with music and drama the message of redemption, of God's love, the Creator redeeming His prodigal creation. Well, that's a beautiful Psalm 24. Right now, though, we go to the book of Leviticus, and we pick up in chapter 13 tonight. A lot of things have happened. They're still meeting there at the base of Mount Sinai. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, have been punished by the Lord for their direct disobedience to God in their role as priests. Moses is going to be talking about the role of the priest as they served as the health department of the uh, people of Israel, guarding their health. On the Bible, Leviticus 13:40 through 15:33, followed by Psalm 24. Leviticus 13. If a man loses his hair and his head becomes bald, he is still ceremonially clean. And if he loses hair on his forehead, he simply has a bald forehead. He is still clean. 
However, if a reddish-white infection appears on the front or the back of his head, this is a contagious skin disease. The priest must examine him, and if he finds swelling around the reddish-white sore, the man is infected with a contagious skin disease and is unclean. The priest must pronounce him ceremonially unclean because of the infection. Those who suffer from any contagious skin disease must tear their clothing and allow their hair to hang loose. Then, as they go from place to place, they must cover their mouth and call out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as the disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean and must live in isolation outside the camp. Now suppose an infectious mildew contaminates some woolen or linen clothing, some woolen or linen fabric, the hide of an animal, or anything made of leather. If the affected area in the clothing, the animal hide, the fabric, or the leather has turned bright green or a reddish color, it is contaminated with an infectious mildew and must be taken to the priest to be examined. After examining the affected spot, the priest will put it away for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must inspect it again. If the affected area has spread, the material is clearly contaminated by an infectious mildew and is unclean. The priest must burn the linen or wool clothing or the piece of leather because it has been contaminated by an infectious mildew. It must be completely destroyed by fire. But if the priest examines it again and the affected spot has not spread in the clothing, the fabric, or the leather, the priest will order the contaminated object to be washed and then isolated for seven more days. Then the priest must inspect the object again. If he sees that the affected area has not changed appearance after being washed, even if it did not spread, the object is defiled. It must be completely burned up, whether it is contaminated on the inside or outside. But if the priest sees that the affected area has faded after being washed, he is to cut the spot from the clothing, the fabric, or the leather. If the spot reappears at a later time, however, the mildew is clearly spreading and the contaminated object must be burned up. But if the spot disappears after the object is washed, it must be washed again. Then it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with infectious mildew in woolen or linen clothing or fabric or in anything made of leather. This is how the priest will determine whether these things are ceremonially clean or unclean. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 14. And the Lord said to Moses, The following instructions must be followed by those seeking purification from a contagious skin disease. Those who have been healed must be brought to the priest, who will examine them at a place outside the camp. If the priest finds that someone has been healed of the skin disease, he will perform a purification ceremony using two wild birds of a kind permitted for food, along with some cedar wood, a scarlet cloth, and a hyssop branch. The priest will order one of the birds to be slaughtered over a clay pot that is filled with fresh spring water. He will then dip the living bird along with the cedar wood, the scarlet cloth, and the hyssop branch into the blood of the slaughtered bird. The priest will also sprinkle the dead bird's blood seven times over the person being purified, and the priest will pronounce that person to be ceremonially clean. At the end of the ceremony, the priest will set the living bird free so it can fly away into the open fields. The people being purified must complete the cleansing ceremony by washing their clothes, shaving off all their hair, and bathing themselves in water. Then they will be ceremonially clean and may return to live inside the camp. However, they must still remain outside their tents for seven days. On the seventh day, they must again shave off all their hair, including the hair of the beard and eyebrows, and wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water. Then they will be pronounced ceremonially clean. On the next day, the eighth day, each person cured of the skin disease must bring two male lambs and one female year-old lamb with no physical defects, along with five quarts of choice flour mixed with olive oil and three-fifths of a pint of olive oil. 
Then the officiating priest will present that person for cleansing along with the offerings before the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will take one of the lambs and the olive oil and offer them as a guilt offering by lifting them up before the Lord. He will then slaughter the lamb there in the sacred area at the place where sin offerings and burnt offerings are slaughtered. As with the sin offering, the guilt offering will be given to the priest. It is a most holy offering. The priest will then take some of the blood from the guilt offering and put it on the tip of the healed person's right ear, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot. Then the priest will pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into the oil and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord. The priest will then put some of the oil remaining in his left hand on the tip of the healed person's right ear, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot, in addition to the blood of the guilt offering. The oil remaining in the priest's hand will then be poured over the healed person's head. In this way, the priest will make atonement before the Lord for the person being cleansed. Then the priest must offer the sin offering and again perform the atonement ceremony for the person cured of the skin disease. After that, the priest will slaughter the whole burnt offering and offer it on the altar along with the grain offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the person being cleansed, and the healed person will be ceremonially clean. But anyone who cannot afford two lambs must bring one male lamb for a guilt offering, along with two quarts of choice flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, and three-fifths of a pint of olive oil. The guilt offering will be presented by lifting it up, thus making atonement for the person being cleansed. The person being cleansed must also bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, whichever the person can afford. One of the pair must be used for a sin offering and the other for a whole burnt offering. On the eighth day, the person being cleansed must bring the offerings to the priest for the cleansing ceremony to be performed in the Lord's presence at the tabernacle entrance. The priest will take the lamb for the guilt offering along with the olive oil and lift them up before the Lord as an offering to him. Then the priest will slaughter the lamb for the guilt offering and put some of its blood on the tip of the person's right ear, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot. The priest will also pour some of the olive oil into the palm of his own left hand. He will dip his right finger into the oil and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord. The priest will then put some of the olive oil from his hand on the lobe of the person's right ear, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot, in addition to the blood of the guilt offering. The oil that is still in the priest's hand will then be poured over the person's head. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the person being cleansed. Then the priest will offer the two turtle doves or the two young pigeons, whichever the person was able to afford. One of them is for a sin offering and the other for a whole burnt offering to be presented along with the grain offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement before the Lord for the person being cleansed. These are the instructions for cleansing those who have recovered from a contagious skin disease, but who cannot afford to bring the sacrifices normally required for the ceremony of cleansing. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you arrive in Canaan, the land I am giving you as an inheritance, I may contaminate some of your houses with an infectious mildew. The owner of such a house must then go to the priest and say, It looks like my house has some kind of disease. Before the priest examines the house, he must have the house emptied so everything inside will not be pronounced unclean. Then the priest will go in and inspect the house. If he finds bright green or reddish streaks on the walls of the house and the contamination appears to go deeper than the wall's surface, he will leave the house and lock it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest must return for another inspection. If the mildew on the walls of the house has spread, the priest must order that the stones from those areas be removed. The contaminated material will then be thrown into an area outside the town, 
designated as ceremonially unclean. Next, the inside walls of the entire house must be scraped thoroughly and the scrapings dumped into the unclean place outside the town. Other stones will be brought in to replace the ones that were removed and the walls will be replastered. But if the mildew reappears after all these things have been done, the priest must return and inspect the house again. If he sees that the affected areas have spread, the walls are clearly contaminated with an infectious mildew and the house is defiled. It must be torn down and all its stones, timbers, and plaster must be carried out of town to the place designated as ceremonially unclean. Anyone who enters the house while it is closed will be considered ceremonially unclean until evening. All who sleep or eat in the house must wash their clothing. But if the priest returns for his inspection and finds that the affected areas have not reappeared after the fresh plastering, then he will pronounce the house clean because the infectious mildew is clearly gone. To purify the house, the priest will need two birds, some cedar wood, a scarlet cloth, and a hyssop branch. He will slaughter one of the birds over a clay pot that is filled with fresh spring water. Then he will dip the cedar wood, the hyssop branch, the scarlet cloth, and the living bird into the blood of the slaughtered bird, and he will sprinkle the house seven times. After he has purified the house in this way, he will release the living bird in the open fields outside the town. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the house, and it will be ceremonially clean. These are the instructions for dealing with the various kinds of contagious skin disease and infectious mildew, whether in clothing, in a house, in a swollen area of skin, in a skin rash, or in a shiny patch of skin. These instructions must be followed when dealing with any contagious skin disease or infectious mildew to determine when something is ceremonially clean or unclean. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 15. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give these further instructions to the Israelites. Any man who has a genital discharge is ceremonially unclean because of it. This defilement applies whether the discharge continues or is stopped up. In either case, the man is unclean. Any bedding on which he lies and anything on which he sits will be defiled. So if you touch the man's bedding, you will be required to wash your clothes and bathe in water, and you will remain ceremonially defiled until evening. If you sit where the man with the discharge has sat, you will be required to wash your clothes and bathe in water. You will then remain defiled until evening. The same instructions apply if you touch the man who has the unclean discharge. And if he spits on you, you must undergo the same procedure. Any blanket on which the man rides will be defiled. If you touch or carry anything that was under him, you will be required to wash your clothes and bathe in water, and you will remain defiled until evening. If the man touches you without first rinsing his hands, then you will be required to wash your clothes and bathe in water, and you will remain defiled until evening. Any clay pot touched by the man with the discharge must be broken, and every wooden utensil he touches must be rinsed with water. When the man's discharge heals, he must count off a period of seven days. During that time, he must wash his clothes and bathe in fresh spring water. Then he will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, he must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons and present himself to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle and give his offerings to the priest. The priest will present the offerings there, one for a sin offering and the other for a whole burnt offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the man before the Lord for his discharge. Whenever a man has an emission of semen, he must wash his entire body, and he will remain ceremonially defiled until evening. Any clothing or leather that comes in contact with the semen must be washed, and it will remain defiled until evening. After having sexual intercourse, both the man and the woman must bathe, and they will remain defiled until evening. 
Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. If you touch her during that time, you will be defiled until evening. Anything on which she lies or sits during that time will be defiled. If you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe in water, and you will remain defiled until evening. The same applies if you touch an object on which she sits, whether it is her bedding or any piece of furniture. If a man has sexual intercourse with her during this time, her menstrual impurity will be transmitted to him. He will remain defiled for seven days, and any bed on which he lies will be defiled. If the menstrual flow of blood continues for many days beyond the normal period, or if she discharges blood unrelated to her menstruation, the woman will be ceremonially unclean as long as the discharge continues. Anything on which she lies or sits during that time will be defiled, just as it would be during her normal menstrual period. If you touch her bed or anything on which she sits, you will be defiled. You will be required to wash your clothes and bathe in water, and you will remain defiled until evening. When the woman's menstrual discharge stops, she must count off a period of seven days. After that, she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons and present them to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one for a sin offering and the other for a whole burnt offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her before the Lord for her menstrual discharge. In this way, you will keep the people of Israel separate from things that will defile them, so they will not die as a result of defiling my tabernacle that is right there among them. These are the instructions for dealing with a man who has been defiled by a genital discharge or an omission of semen, for dealing with a woman during her monthly menstrual period, for dealing with anyone, man or woman, who has had a bodily discharge of any kind, and for dealing with a man who has had intercourse with a woman during her period. End of reading, Leviticus 13.40-15.33. Well, there you go. There's our second reading in the book of Leviticus. And if you noticed in the first... In the first reading and in the second reading, two turtle doves. I thinking, of course, of the uh, the twelve days of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, if I hear anything about uh, three French hens or four calling birds or whatever else, you know, maids of milking. Uh, anyway, uh, we're getting ready to go to a break. And uh, for those of you who are new to the program, I was speaking about this a little earlier. What the Bible Live quiz show is, the Bible Live takes you through the entire Bible in the span of a year. We start in roughly November in Genesis, and each weekday, Soapy reads a passage from the Bible. It's on the website at BibleLive.com, and then on Sundays he asks questions, and he and Stacy discuss that week's readings. And over the course of the year, you will have heard the entire Bible. So we we welcome you, we invite you to join us on this magical journey through the greatest book ever written, the Bible. Well, there's our music. It means it's time to go to a break. We're going to be back in a moment with more from the book of Leviticus. This is the Bible Live. Stay tuned.
Bible Live Quiz Show, and if you you probably recognize the man singing right there, you should. It's our very own Soapy Dollar, the host of the Bible, the host and creator of the Bible Live Quiz Show. How many of you knew Soapy was a singer? He's got he's got uh, several of these. That he's recorded. His throne to a manger. Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Soon he is coming again. Soon he is coming again. Thank you, Soapy Dollar. What Soapy has done with these recordings is he's taken a secular Christmas song like Jingle Bells or White Christmas, or in that case, Silver Bells, and he likes to say he baptized them. <laughs> he, he, he rewrites the lyrics and puts a Christian spin on them, and I, I, think, it's, I think it's wonderful, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Well, we're in the book of Leviticus this evening, and... Uh, this third reading is no different from the other two. So let's just get back to the show. You're listening to The Bible Live. Here's Soapy to take us through another passage from the book of Leviticus. Oh, the holidays are coming in serious, aren't they? Hope you and your family, too, are having a wonderful time. The gift of family, and of course, at holidays like this, they're always special. And that's part of what we've been looking at 
as we make our way through the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and the time of nation building. God is building the nation of Israel, putting in the institutions, the festival, the holidays that they are going to celebrate as a people, the traditions that draw a people together and define a culture of people. And we are seeing that even in our own times in America, to some degree at least, a threat of breaking down the traditional bonds of language, culture, and borders that define a people. And when these are gone, language, culture, and borders, then you will see how a society can come apart. We need to really take these things in serious as citizens of this country in these times. It's about the belief systems and the traditions that bind us together as a people. They are important, and we'll see their importance as we make our way through the book of Leviticus. We have read down through chapter 15. We'll pick up at chapter 16 tonight. But right now, let's go to this beautiful Psalm 25. It's a prayer of commitment, asking God for his defense, his guidance, his forgiveness and cleansing. As we trust in God, he grants these same requests for us today. The Bible Life. Psalm 25, verses 1 through 11. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the path where I should walk, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your unfailing love and compassion, which you have shown from long ages past. Forgive the rebellious sins of my youth. Look instead through the eyes of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in what is right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all those who keep his covenant and obey his decrees. For the honor of your name, O Lord. Forgive my many, many sins. End of reading, Psalm 25, 1 through 11. listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are back. This is The Bible Live. Don't you love that Psalm 25? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my... Uh, remember that song? It's an older chorus, but I think maybe four or five verses out of there make up the verses of that beautiful chorus put to music. Today we're going to read about the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Notice that there are two goats on the Day of Atonement. That's a very important thing for you to notice because the Day of Atonement is indeed a picture of the redemptive plan that God has for us as his people. And it tells us something about the plan of salvation for our lives today as well. The Day of Atonement tonight is introduced on the Bible Life. Leviticus 16:1 through 19:8. Leviticus 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons who died when they burned a different kind of fire than the Lord had commanded. The Lord said to Moses, 
Warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. The penalty for intrusion is death. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there, and I myself am present in the cloud over the atonement cover. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a whole burnt offering. Then he must wash his entire body and put on his linen tunic and the undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are his sacred garments. The people of Israel must then bring him two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a whole burnt offering. Aaron will present the bull as a sin offering to make atonement for himself and his family. Then he must bring the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be sacrificed to the Lord and which one will be the scapegoat. The goat chosen to be sacrificed to the Lord will be presented by Aaron as a sin offering. The goat chosen to be the scapegoat will be presented to the Lord alive. When it is sent away into the wilderness, it will make atonement for the people. Then Aaron will present the young bull as a sin offering for himself and his family. After he has slaughtered this bull for the sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then, after filling both his hands with fragrant incense, he will carry the burner and incense behind the inner curtain. There in the Lord's presence, he will put the incense on the burning coals so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement, that rests on the ark of the covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. Then he must dip his finger into the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the front of the atonement cover and then seven times against the front of the ark. Then Aaron must slaughter the goat as a sin offering for the people and bring its blood behind the inner curtain. There he will sprinkle the blood on the atonement cover and against the front of the ark, just as he did with the bull's blood. In this way he will make atonement for the most holy place, and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. No one else is allowed inside the tabernacle while Aaron goes in to make atonement for the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again after making atonement for himself, his family, and all the Israelites. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Then Aaron will go out to make atonement for the altar that stands before the Lord by smearing some of the blood from the bull and the goat on each of the altar's horns. Then he must dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle it seven times over the altar. In this way he will cleanse it from Israel's defilement and return it to its former holiness. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tabernacle, and the altar, he must bring the living goat forward. He is to lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the sins and rebellion of the Israelites. In this way, he will lay the people's sins on the head of the goat. Then he will send it out into the wilderness, led by a man chosen for this task. After the man sets it free in the wilderness, the goat will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. As Aaron enters the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he wore when he entered the most holy place, and he must leave the garments there. Then he must bathe his entire body with water in a sacred place, put on his garments, and go out to sacrifice his own whole burnt offering and the whole burnt offering for the people. In this way, he will make atonement for himself and for the people. He must also burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The man chosen to send the goat out into the wilderness as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe in water. Then he may return to the camp. 
the bull and goat given as sin offerings, whose blood Aaron brought into the most holy place to make atonement for Israel, will be carried outside the camp to be burned. This includes the animal's hides, the internal organs, and the dung. The man who does the burning must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. On the appointed day in early autumn, you must spend the day fasting and not do any work. This is a permanent law for you, and it applies to those who are Israelites by birth, as well as to the foreigners living among you. On this day, atonement will be made for you, and you will be cleansed from all your sins in the Lord's presence. It will be a Sabbath day of total rest, and you will spend the day in fasting. This is a permanent law for you. In future generations, the atonement ceremony will be performed by the anointed high priest who serves in place of his ancestor Aaron. He will put on the holy linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priest, and the entire community. This is a permanent law for you to make atonement for the Israelites once each year. Moses followed all these instructions that the Lord had given to him. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give Aaron and his sons and all the Israelites these commands from the Lord. If any Israelite sacrifices a bull or a lamb or a goat anywhere inside or outside the camp and does not bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle to present it as an offering to the Lord, that person will be guilty of a capital offense. Such a person has shed blood and must be cut off from the community. This rule will stop the Israelites from sacrificing animals in the open fields. It will cause them to bring their sacrifices to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle so he can present them to the Lord as peace offerings. That way the priest will be able to sprinkle the blood and burn the fat on the Lord's altar at the entrance of the tabernacle, and it will be very pleasing to the Lord. The people must no longer be unfaithful to the Lord by offering sacrifices to evil spirits out in the fields. This is a permanent law for them to be kept generation after generation. Give them this command as well, which applies both to Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. If you offer a whole burnt offering or a sacrifice and do not bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle to offer it to the Lord, you will be cut off from the community. And I will turn against anyone, whether an Israelite or a foreigner living among you, who eats or drinks blood in any form. I will cut off such a person from the community, for the life of any creature is in its blood. I have given you the blood so you can make atonement for your sins. It is the blood, representing life, that brings you atonement. That is why I said to the Israelites, You and the foreigners who live among you must never eat or drink blood. And this command applies both to Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. If you go hunting and kill an animal or bird that is approved for eating, you must drain out the blood and cover it with earth. The life of every creature is in the blood. That is why I have told the people of Israel never to eat or drink it, for the life of any bird or animal is in the blood. So whoever eats or drinks blood must be cut off. And this command also applies both to Israelites and the foreigners living among you. If you eat from the carcass of an animal that died a natural death or was killed by a wild animal, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water. Then you will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. After that, you will be considered clean. But if you do not wash your clothes and bathe, you will be held responsible. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say this to your people, the Israelites, I, the Lord, am your God. So do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or like the people of Canaan where I am taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. 
You must obey all my regulations and be careful to keep my laws. For I, the Lord, am your God. If you obey my laws and regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. You must never have sexual intercourse with a close relative, for I am the Lord. Do not violate your father by having sexual intercourse with your mother. She is your mother. You must never have intercourse with her. Do not have sexual intercourse with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. Do not have sexual intercourse with your sister or half-sister, whether she is your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was brought up in the same family or somewhere else. Do not have sexual intercourse with your granddaughter, whether your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That would violate you. Do not have sexual intercourse with the daughter of any of your father's wives. She is your half-sister. Do not have intercourse with your aunt, your father's sister, because she is your father's close relative. Do not have sexual intercourse with your aunt, your mother's sister, because she is your mother's close relative. And do not violate your uncle, your father's brother, by having sexual intercourse with his wife. She also is your aunt. Do not have sexual intercourse with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. Do not have intercourse with your brother's wife. This would violate your brother. Do not have sexual intercourse with both a woman and her daughter, or marry both a woman and her granddaughter, whether her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter. They are close relatives, and to do this would be a horrible wickedness. Do not marry a woman and her sister, because they will be rivals. But if your wife dies, then it is all right to marry her sister. Do not violate a woman by having sexual intercourse with her during her period of menstrual impurity. Do not defile yourself by having sexual intercourse with your neighbor's wife. Do not give any of your children as a sacrifice to Moloch, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not practice homosexuality. It is a detestable sin. A man must never defile himself by having sexual intercourse with an animal, and a woman must never present herself to a male animal in order to have intercourse with it. This is a terrible perversion. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the people I am expelling from the promised land have defiled themselves. As a result, the entire land has become defiled. That is why I am punishing the people who live there, and the land will soon vomit them out. You must strictly obey all my laws and regulations, and you must not do any of these detestable things. This applies both to you who are Israelites by birth and to the foreigners living among you. All these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I am taking you, and the land has become defiled. Do not give the land a reason to vomit you out for defiling it, as it will vomit out the people who live there now. Whoever does any of these detestable things will be cut off from the community of Israel. So be careful to obey my laws, and do not practice any of these detestable activities. Do not defile yourselves by doing any of them, for I, the Lord, am your God. Leviticus 19. The Lord also said to Moses, Say this to the entire community of Israel, You must be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must show respect for your mother and father, and you must always observe the Sabbath days of rest, for I, the Lord, am your God. Do not put your trust in idols or make gods of metal for yourselves. I, the Lord, am your God. When you sacrifice a peace offering to the Lord, Offer it properly, so it will be accepted on your behalf. You must eat it on the same day you offer it, or on the next day at the latest. Any leftovers that remain until the third day must be burned. If any of the offering is eaten on the third day, it will be contaminated, and I will not accept it. If you eat it on the third day, you will answer for the sin of profaning what is holy to the Lord, and must be cut off from the community. 
End of reading, Leviticus 16.1 through 19.8.
there's our music. We've reached the end of another Bible Live Quiz show. Thank you for joining us this evening. Hope you can, can, can join us again next Sunday, Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to you all. Y'all have a great week. The BibleLive.com. BibleLive.com. Don't forget. Good night. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.